0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators,
1: but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One,
2: two, three, four!
1: Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour Extra Bit with me, Harriet Minter. Each week, I'll bring you an interesting little snippet from my radio show on Talk Radio. And this week, I talk with Lottie Dryden, a.k.a. The Tummy Diaries, about IBS, an issue which affects 20% of the population, but particularly women in their 20s and 30s. I'm also joined by vocal coach and presenter Carrie Grant, and nurse and star of E4's The Sex Clinic, Sarah Malindwa. We are also joined in the studio by just the brilliant Lottie Dryden. Uh, You might have seen her on Instagram, at The Tummy Diaries. Lottie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, Tell us, you are really open about suffering from IBS, Irritable Bowel Syndrome. Not something that many women will talk about. How did you come to decide, right, this is it, I am just going to tell the world?
0: Um, So I have suffered with what I call tummy troubles for probably about, well, since I was like late teens, early 20s. I had no idea what was going on. I went through various different tests and I got diagnosed finally after about seven years with IBS. And tried to sort of pretend it wasn't real because it doesn't sound very glamorous um, no one really wants to say they've got irritable bowel syndrome um but I was really struggling with anxiety around it and especially around the food side of things um not knowing what would trigger me what would trigger the bloating and the discomfort and at the time even when I started about three or so years ago there wasn't much information online so I thought right I'm gonna start an Instagram account and sort of it started more of a sort of food blog and sort of mm. documenting what I was eating as part of this low FODMAP diet, which Mm. is a diet that they advise for IBS and thought I'll try and use it to get some inspiration and also hopefully inspire others and just give a bit of comfort. And it sort sort of evolved from food to sort of sharing my whole life and all the glamorous and non-glamorous sides of <laughs> having IBS. <laughs> it's
3: really interesting, actually, because it's about 20 years ago now that I first started talking publicly about having Crohn's disease. Oh, really? And I was one of the first people that talked about my bum. Like, <laughs> You've got to talk about your bum on the radio or the newspaper. I like, I'll talk about it everywhere, just to talk about IBD. But I think for people with IBS, because there's IBD, which is inflammatory bowel disease, IBS. IBS is one of those uh, terms that is basically given to people. And it's really awful because... If they don't really know what you've got, mm-hmm. just call it IBS. Yeah. So people like for you, that was obviously a moment of this is great. I've now got these three little letters mm. that will mean something. But for many people, it doesn't really, it still doesn't mean anything. No, no. So you still, it just means they don't really know what to do. But you've clearly got something going on with your tummy.
0: Absolutely that, and they, and that's why I think they just don't give you any guidance. I mean, when I was, when they said it, it's been sort of thrown around a couple of times with n- nothing much else um but when they finally did it they scrawled on a piece of paper low FODMAP diet and yes. that was it there was no- nothing else no guidance of what to do next which I think is the hardest part because and that's what can feel so isolating and frustrating um
1: so what happens for you what is your what are your symptoms of IBS how did you how did you end up being diagnosed with it
0: um so for me my main symptoms are the bloating um and the pain so it's not just when people put I mean it started it, well that's a dangerous bit on Instagram people started almost normalizing bloating um and it's bloating isn't bloating is normal to the point of if you overeat or eat a bit too much um a lot of people can bloat yeah we can all bloat yeah absolutely but to the point of being in pain and bloating all the time that's when it's not normal and you need to see see a GP and understand what's going on um so yeah for me bloating is the biggest thing um and at the time I was as well I was actually feeling sick a lot which I I now know was actually my um a bad relationship with food building up and I, I thought that was probably so that's why they've taken doing so many tests because I was being sick but I realized that it was actually an eating disorder that had developed from mm. the the anxiety built up around food and not knowing what I could eat thinking that everything I ate would then make me ill and I was making myself ill mentally and physically from it. Mm.
1: It's really interesting so in my 20s I got diagnosed with IBS and when it happened the doctor said to me well it's probably been caused by stress so try to be less stressed Mm. and I remember at the (laughs) time being like well I would be less stressed if this wasn't (laughs) happening (laughs) and that psychological link between our health and our body and how we're feeling and then the anxiety and pressure we put on ourselves because of it what for you really was, was it just not knowing what you could eat or was it also because for women it's a big thing, right? Yeah. Like how we feel about our bodies, we don't talk about the fact that we poo, we don't talk about the fact that we fart, you know. Mm. It's suddenly a very unfemale thing to be happening. Which one was it for you? Yeah, um, I think all of the above
0: pretty mm. much, yeah. I think the body image was a big part of it for me, not knowing what... I did like you talk about um, accepting your body, never mind mm-hmm. loving it, but just accepting it, but every day it's different. So you yeah. you look at yourself... You and you're leave un- the house a
3: size 10 and then you, yeah. you yeah, yeah, come, back and a, come back a size yeah. 14. Absolutely, yeah. so
0: it's so hard to accept something that's changing every single day or hour. That was a thing that I really found hard. Um, and also, yes, the link between the the stress side, the gut health and the mental health, because there is, there's the gut-brain axis. And again, that's something I didn't know when I had to proactively figure out myself from researching online and I think that's the thing that people struggle with so much because at the time I thought it was just food but actually the biggest thing that's helped me is managing my stress, Mm -hmm. sort of looking at my sleep and exercise, and looking at the 360 picture um, rather than just
2: diet. And it can be quite a lonely sort of thing to suffer from as well because there's no actual test, you can't actually go and do a test to Mm. say oh you're positive for IBS it's a matter of sort of going to your GP, they do a physical examination, they rule out things like gluten intolerance, otherwise celiac disease and so once they've ruled out all these things then it's like oh okay well then this is what it must Mm -hmm. be and then after that yeah you sort of it's hard to then know where to go from that and you know you can have things like buscapan, but essentially the best way to treat is through through diet and 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 you know know, knowing what to eat what things you know trigger it off but if you do then have an underlying you know um eating disorder that can then have an IBS can then just make that 10 times worse
1: Yeah, definitely. So you follow now the low FODMAP diet? Um,
0: So I did when I um, was first handed my little bit of paper. What is it? Um, So it is basically at first it starts as an elimination diet so FODMAPs are a series of short chain carbohydrates and at first for the first four to six weeks you have to cut them all out so it ranges from garlic, gluten, onion, loads of vegetables apples, it's a very limited diet and it is really really tricky to follow so you should do that with the help of a dietitian. So that's the first stage and then you start to reintroduce things so you reintroduce a bit a group at a time then you can understand what you can personally tolerate and then you then then maintain that with Mm. whatever you can have so a lot of people get stuck on that elimination side which is then why it's so hard and I did because I didn't have the guidance there wasn't a lot of research out there um but now I know that there's actually only a small handful of foods that really trigger me which is gluten garlic and onion if I have in excess a lot of things like I couldn't go and down a pint of orange juice like Mm -hmm. that would just leave my tummy a bit. It so does, it's yeah. yeah. Just understanding what your personal tolerances are. um Yeah. And the thing with an elimination diet
3: that's so difficult is that if you get a reaction, you've then got to go back to eating. Well, in my Absolutely. day, it was nothing actually. You can eat anything. Yeah. Did you so have to do the liquid I had a diet? Drink, yeah. yeah. And I can stay on that for three months and not have any food. Gosh. Yeah. Um, but with that, you know, so something makes you ill. You eat pineapple, mm. you have a reaction. So then it's two weeks. <laughs> back to the drink
2: <laughs> before yeah. you can go
3: back to trying new foods so even though it, it, you know, every, i think everyone thinks oh you get one of those patch test things where they just yeah, yeah. it's not like that because no. it's intolerance it's not allergy
0: absolutely that and i think also then going back to the stress thing you could have had pineapple and that could have been what triggered you or you could have had an argument yeah. with your boyfriend yeah. and that could, that stress could have, and it's like how do i know what what yeah. what it is that's causing this but And also just, it
2: must just affect your just your day-to-day life i mean food is such a big thing that we do obviously we eat every day and just going out socially being at work and sharing food is having picnics and going out for friends mm. dinners and how did that affect your social life
0: yeah i think that was had such a big effect i've always been a foodie my dad is a chef and i've always oh like yeah amazing oh. and i just loved it especially garlic and onion i'd put that yeah. in everything like yeah. cheesy <laughs> garlicky bread yeah. um So that did really affect me, and I'm a social person, so going out for meals and Mm. things like that, it can be really isolating and quite embarrassing. Before I was used to it it would have to sort of speak to the waiter and say oh I'm really sorry I can't have this and they'd yeah. think you're fussy and they think you're
2: fussy eater and things absolutely
0: yeah. so yeah I think obviously with anything the more experience you get with it um and just trying to be quite assertive calling ahead and mm. things like that so do you they can... say that
3: the things that you crave are often the things that you are intolerant to oh really mm. yeah. I mean I'm definitely. And I'm sure that's not science that's not science <laughs> <laughs> that's just me I, I think that sounds what, true that's to me. what the Crohn's <laughs> disease and colitis people talk about a lot and they'll say that's the thing I've been craving
1: yeah oh, no. we are going to keep talking about this because it's fascinating thank you for listening to badass women's out you can hear us every saturday on talk radio from 7 p.m for a full three hours yes three hours of opinion debate and general setting the world to rights. now let's get back to our guest actually before the break we were talking about you know that kind of awkward thing in restaurants where you're like oh and i can't have this oh and this and but what's it like in your personal life as well? Like, do you, Can you talk about this with your friends, with your partner? How did you get comfortable discussing it with people?
0: Um, I think my Instagram definitely helped me get more comfortable because my friends would, well, once they discovered it was me when I started showing my face on there, <laughs> um, that I would be a lot more open online than face-to-face because it is easier. And then that would that um slowly some of them go oh actually i think i might have that or i i get the same sort of things or my friend has this my mum has this so that definitely helped um I think, yeah, it is it is a really tricky one and it can be quite embarrassing to talk about. I mean, my husband hates talking about poo, but I've slowly <laughs> forced him over the years to talk about it a bit more and now he just rolls his eyes. So I think, again, it's just the more we can be open, like anything, just like mental health or anything like mm, that, if, yeah. the more we open up, the more we find Normalise that... it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Don't you think
3: one of the worst things is flimsy public toilet door <laughs> with a queue?
0: No, or
1: on the, the train. The when you, the train. You, you think it's going yeah. to open up. <laughs> oh, i mean yeah. that's just i just the thought of that has brought me out and it's kind yeah. of sweat. Yeah. Um, do you think it is do you think social media has helped us become more open about our bodies because on the one hand i think what you're doing is amazing and you're talking about something that i don't know affects so many women and i remember when i had it and i didn't tell anyone and then i told my mom my mum was like oh yeah i had that for most of my 20s and 30s and i'm like didn't, didn't want to pass that information on yeah no and mums uh, have got a lot to answer yeah they do so on the one hand i think it's great but then on the other hand i do see quite often social media influencers promoting or pushing a particular diet or lifestyle and they'll do this for a year or so and then suddenly they're like oh and now i've been diagnosed with ibs and i want to tell you all about it and it makes me really angry because i'm like i think Potentially, some of that might have come from your lifestyle. And even if it didn't, if you are not healthy, pushing what you're claiming is a really healthy lifestyle on other people through your social media feels very irresponsible.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's something that I'm. I try to be really careful with um I wish I'd say I am not a healthcare professional mm-hmm. I am just sharing my own experience um and I try to more share sort of the emotions around it rather than this is what I am e- exactly what I'm eating but I think it can definitely be damaging and I think as well for people to see even their favorite celebrities say oh I've got IBS and they just think oh that must be me whereas actually it's so important to go and get your own diagnosis mm. because like you mentioned earlier mm. it could be celiac disease it could be Crohn's disease there could be so many different things it could be and it's important to rule those out um and yeah I, I think you need to find the diet that works for you not follow some sort of fad diet and that that's difficult which is why I think it's just so important to be so selective of who you're following and look at what they're saying and if that's not if that doesn't sit well with you then unfollow mute mm. whatever
1: you need to do. I mean, there's sort of lifestyle things that I'm thinking about that I remember when I was going through it, like knowing absolutely where every single available loo was oh, yeah. on the way from work till oh, yeah. home, because, you know, I could be on the tube and be like, OK, now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and one thing that really sort of impacted me was like that thing where you'd run into a pub and just be like, I need to use your loo, I'm really sorry. And, like, die for it. And sometimes bar stuff are just, like, lovely and kind. And com- yeah. You know, yes, that way, love, fine. And the other times, you, sorry, you're not a customer... No, and I would be, like, running for oh, like, yeah, the living, like, I will and now buy something on use. the way back. Yeah. And now
2: you need a code for most places, public yes. toilets, yeah. which I just think is is horrible as well. I mean, like, it's, it's nature's calling, like, you have to yeah. answer, you know? <laughs> so I just think it is ridiculous. Like, yeah, you, you can,
3: can um, get keys, right? We have a big key that oh, you can that's use. That's it, oh, oh, yeah. Toilet. And
0: yeah. same with IBS. I think it's the IBS network. Um, I think it's them, the charity. They can give you the same, the cards. Yeah. And with um, for the ones that have got pass codes, they give you the passcode, don't they, oh, for it? So that can really be helpful. But, yeah, that can definitely be difficult.
2: But also can, imagine telling somebody who literally you just know, walked in yeah. and just, yeah. uh, you know, it's just like... Yeah, you, know. so you don't yeah. want to be shouting yeah. over the cup. Yeah. I've got irritable bowel syndrome! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the worst one I
3: get is when people go, before you've gone into the. go, yeah. oh, you're Carrie Grant off the toilet! <laughs> <laughs> and then you think, I just can't go in that toilet now, yeah. <laughs> I just can't do it, I'm just, I don't know what's going to
1: happen, but, yeah, I've oh, just killed brilliant. it. Okay. Did you, has it changed... Ca- Obviously, in the last 20 years, it has changed. I'm assuming it's changed how we talk about it. Has it made yes. life easier for sufferers either of IBS? or 100% it has. Yeah. It
3: used to be so hidden, which is why people like your mother never talked about yeah. it. Mm. And I, when I first got diagnosed in 1986, uh, no one talked about uh, mm. having... No talked about their bottoms, mm. male or female. It just wasn't talked about. But uh, I think now it is, and I think that really helps. There's, there's the whole Get Your Belly Out campaign, which is for mm-hmm. people that have... Uh, colostomy or ileostomy uh, bags and and you know even you know I've always said if I had to have one of those because I've had surgery and had a big part of my bowel taken out uh, but if I had to have one of those if I had a stoma I'd put sequins on it and start it out and you've got to find a way of making it work for you which is what you're doing
1: which is great it's brilliant do you ever have times now where you're like oh I wish I hadn't been so open about it it's all people want to talk to me about or you know, yeah. everyone's looking at me and being like oh I don't
0: know where she's going I mean sometimes like no I, I, I never really have those moments I think it's funny like e- in Tesco's and stuff, sometimes people stop me and go, Oh, you're lost. Oh, can I talk? And I end up having a chat about IBS in like the yeah. chocolate oh, aisle for yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. I think it's, you. I, there's such a community around it. And I feel yeah. very lucky. There's a lot of parts of social media that aren't quite as safe or quite as nice. But I feel the community in sort of the wellness and the gut health um, side of things, everyone is so supportive. And I find that people will even leave comments, not even to me, but to other people. So someone's left a comment and then someone else will reply saying, oh, I get a yeah. Conversation, yeah. yeah, and I think that's amazing to watch that's other. Community. Yeah, yeah it, there is a full community around it, and everyone is so supportive and starting to talk about it, which I think that's so they talk about sex. Mean. Uh, no, people do sometimes ask about the confidence you have in the bedroom with things like that, but mm. I don't get that a lot. No, do you want to talk about sex? No, I just, <laughs> think, I just
3: think it's the next uh frontier actually for people with bowel issues, yeah, and I sex. think
0: dating as well. There's um, I think it's called gutsy. Gut, oh, Guts, Guts UK care something. There's a dating app for people that su- suffer with gut issues and chronic chronic illnesses. And I think that's amazing that then. You could to- just fart your way through the bedroom. Absolutely! <laughs>
1: <laughs> But yeah. also, open. like, <laughs> I'm thinking of that thing here, when you go away with somebody for the first time. and You're suddenly in a hotel room, yeah. and the bathroom oh, is gosh. right there. Yeah. And every time you do, you Harriet, have to turn the tap on. This is your on. life right now. <laughs> it, it, this is you right <laughs> now. <laughs> See, that's, that's why managed, we're talking about it. This is my whole life. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you I'm in
3: quarantine, Harriet? <laughs> <laughs> Are, Are you doing?
0: Are you with the the tap
3: on? I'm like, turn the tap on. We're still very early on. We just don't
1: need to know that about each other. Um, Lottie, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, oh, I think that that sounds familiar, it sounds like some of the stuff I suffer from, what would your advice be for them?
0: Um, My advice would be to book an appointment with your GP and get anything ruled out. Maybe not Um, right now. Oh, maybe not right now, yeah, maybe. For now, (laughs) I would say a really good thing is to start tracking um, what's going on. So what you're eating, but also everything else in your life, Mm. anything that you're doing that could be causing stress, any exercise, your sleep pattern, things like that. Because once you do go to a GP or you get referred to a diet, petition, that's something that you can give them Yeah, you're fully armed already absolutely mm-hmm. and then that'll give you a head start and they can say right actually it might not be food it might be this let's and they can work with you in a really prescriptive personalized way um Which is
2: a good point because, like you said, they're going to tell you if you go there and you don't do these things before, they'll tell you to go and do them. Absolutely. So then it's great if you have this diary for like a month or so and say, look, these are the patterns I've noticed that it's worse than I do this and this and that, Um, and then it's easier to get that diagnosis. Because I mean, how hard is it to get an appointment with a GP Mm, and then getting a follow up appointment? And yeah, so that's that's very good. Yeah, you can
0: get a head start. And I think the other big thing for me is just trying to find stress management as well because you can get yourself so worked up. There has been so many sleep. times... Yep, sleep, yeah. Sins. I end up crying over my bloat and then the bloat gets worse because I'm stressed and they're, they're talking to each other. And so I think if you can find ways, like for me, I've just started meditating. People have advised that for ages and I've been like, nah, mm. I've started. And it has changed my life. So mm-hmm. I would say if you can find a way, whether it's even just going for a walk, having a dance, whatever it is to sort of relieve some stress, that should, should really help too.
2: Oh, also really. nhs website is always good uh, public health Wales, public health scotland uh, public health england there's always reputable websites to look up
1: brilliant thank you Lottie lot of here uh, you can find her on instagram at the tummy diaries if you want to chat to thank you for listening to the badass women's hour podcast extra bits if you liked it rate review and subscribe five stars please and of course you can chat to me in the meantime at harriet minter